You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey, y'all, it's Bridget here. Julia and I had the opportunity to sit down with Mia Love. She is an educator, entrepreneur, and a financial wellness advisor. Mia Love, folks, she really is a triple threat a widely recognized credit empowerment coach, mentor, and holistic practitioner with almost a decade of experience. Mia is the founder of The Real Freedom with Love, a comprehensive credit and financial management firm where she teaches financial stability and that encourages financial assertiveness as well as personal evolution. Mia brings her warmth and wit to every engagement as she believes that healing reduces people's resistance to change. She counts it a true privilege to watch others experience a sense of freedom and confidence and their ability to not only make money, but make time for what matters most. So sit back, grab yourself a Maker's Mark cocktail, and listen as Mia shares her unique journey and shares her love for helping others. Enjoy the show. Well, Mia, welcome to Served Up. Julie and I are really honored and we're super happy to have you on the show today. Awesome. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here as well. Like I said before, I've had the opportunity to listen to the podcast. love a lot of the folks that you have had on and deep respect for all of you. So I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we are super excited to have you. And I can't wait for you to share kind of all the work that you're doing through Real Freedom with Love. Um, But before we start off, can you tell us a little about yourself and your story and and just kind of um, give that for our listeners today? Sure, absolutely. As you know, my name is Mia Love and my brand is Real Freedom with Love. It was the good credit diva before, but I realized that that was kind of one dimensional because I do so much more than just help people with credit and finance. I really want to help people find freedom. And for some people, freedom looks different than just finance. Some people already have great credit and they're looking to have time freedom or they're they're looking to have financial freedom. So I really like to bring people 360 degrees of freedom and wellness. So that's physical, financial and, you know, spiritual or whatever that looks like for you. So my particular story is that I found myself in a position that I needed to get my act together financially, had tons of formal education, had the opportunity to be educated in Ivy League schools and things like that. But I still had a wage garnishment and a tax lien. So I couldn't qualify for a library card, a Costco card, nothing. So I needed to you know, make sure that I got that taken care of. And once I got it taken care of for myself, I realized like if there's a whole department dedicated to telling people that you're in bad shape, there's more than just me that needs this help. So I started gathering the resources that I used and then went out to go out and help other people in that particular situation. And obviously have a huge love for the hospitality industry, having been a part of it, which I got into when I was in grad school, I was bartending at a pub and that's another funny story. But um, 
have a real affection for the hospitality industry and know how we can have that weird relationship with money. So that's where I put my focus. We want to hear the weird story. So tell us all about it. I I know that you are super connected to the hospitality industry. That's how we've had the honor to meet you. Um, So please share. (laughs) Sure. So I went to a pub on campus while I was waiting to go to class. Truth be told, I was going to go have a drink before class. It was, you know, soju. So I'm sitting there waiting and I'm like, this line is long. I'm going to be late and I'm not going to be able to have my French fries and my drink before class. So the bartender and I were friends because I would come in there all the time. So I popped under the bar and I go, hey, if you're having beer or wine, I can help you on this side. If you're having a mixed drink or something else, he can help you over there. So we kind of just split the bar like you normally would. And I didn't know how to work the cash register. So I put a piece of paper on top of the register and I had B for beer, W for wine. And I was making hash marks every time I collected money and just stacked it on top of the register. Well, someone came in and tapped me on the shoulder and he's like, hey, I haven't met you. And I go, oh, I don't work here. Just give me one second. And he's like, no, I own this place. You're holding my money. You work here now. So when you're done, let's talk so that we can get you on the schedule. That's how I started. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that story. You just hustled your way right into a job. Absolutely. (laughs) I think that there's a lot to learn from that story, actually. (laughs) So can you tell us a bit, um, you know, where are you originally from and where where did you go to college? You know, what was your what was your early um, journey like? Sure. So I was born in Philadelphia, but I was raised in California. My parents, well, my dad is West Indian. My mom is um, from the East Coast by way of the South. So I grew up, I would probably say in like a staunch traditional West Indian household, just because we had so many influences, really grounded family. I'm the youngest, so have a lot of siblings. And so that was super interesting. Everybody kind of moved away by the time I got into high school. And so my parents moved to a different area. So I kind of had to acclimate to that, which was interesting. Got me to the point that I depended more on friends, whereas before it was mainly just me and my sister. We're super close. Uh, We're five years difference in age, but she had gone away to college. So imagine me being in high school and now the one person I'm used to being around is gone. Uh, So then after that, I went to undergrad in Berkeley and then I I work at Stanford. I've been there for two and a half decades. So I had the opportunity to do my finishing up my grad school and, you know, enter into law school at Stanford. So that's me. Wow, that's quite the story. Um, And I know your parents are a big influence in your life because I was reading some past articles. Can you tell us a little bit about them and and how they've had an influence? Absolutely. My parents, you know, I'm I'm their biggest fan and I hope they're my biggest fans. But yeah, they're awesome. They just celebrated their, gosh, it's going to be 51 years. They just celebrated their 50-year wedding anniversary in April of last year. So it was a pandemic 50th anniversary party. So we're hoping to, you know, redo that for them. But um, they've just been so supportive. Initially, when I said I wanted to make the shift into more of entrepreneurship, that was kind of a thing that I needed to explain to them because we're a traditional household. So you go to work, you work for a company, you know, you stay with that company, you're loyal to it. Now they've always supported growth and always supported us doing other things, but you've got to have a foundation. And that's what they always, they always told us and made sure that we had that. And once I explained the concept for what I wanted to do, they were completely able to embrace it. Now it went from, okay, you started this as a hobby. Now you're literally out speaking to people. So you have to do it a certain way. You have to maintain your your authenticity. You've got to make sure that you're walking your talk and make sure that you're constantly inspiring people. So 
a lot of times my mom will take a look at articles before they're published and kind of give me a little bit of a tune up. And then my dad will come in after it's already out and tell me what he loves about it and what I can do to enhance it the next time. So they're awesome. What are your parents' names? Herb and Lena. Herb and Lena. Yes. I know you must be very proud of your daughter, Mia. <laughs> so we have to give them a shout out. Um, you, you know, I think, you know, I, our listeners would really love to understand and to know how did you transition from really helping people to rebuild their finances? And as you said, you know, in the hospitality industry, there is a toxic relationship with finances and what with what um, bartenders are doing on the day to day because it's cash right? And it's easy to spend. It's easy to overspend and to not to save. And so I think it's amazing that you identified that and created um, support. And then how did you transition from that to really real freedom with love, which is something that's so unique and so fantastic. We want to know all about it. So I really, like I said, I had challenges, I had struggles, and I knew that I had friends that had challenges and struggles too. And I'm thinking there's got to be a way to get around this because, you know, we're going on vacation, trying to do stuff, living beyond our means. You have to wait for your check to book the vacation. Now you're paying more, going to the hotel, using your debit card. That leads to that seven-day hold, and then you're waiting for the money to come back. It was just so many things that I saw people going through. And it's like, you know, if we can get a handle on finances and allow people to get the credit that they deserve and really clean up past mistakes. People don't realize that there are so many things that shouldn't be on your credit report that are holding your score down or things that you can very easily rectify to make your score go up. And just learning about relationships with money, keeping things below, you know, between 10 and 30% on the total balance that you have on your credit cards. It's really just not, it's like making up that ground. We didn't get financial literacy in school, right? We were taught how to write a check, but they didn't tell you what happens if you write that check and there's no money in the bank. When you get on college campuses, at least for me, there were so many people offering an instant credit. So I had all these credit cards and I'm like, great, free money. Let me go out and spend it. That's a quick way to destroy your credit or anybody else that you're attached to. So if we take the time to educate young people about finances, but also make up the education with those of us that didn't learn that, then we're going to put ourselves in a better situation. And when I started with the real with the good credit diva, I was thinking, okay, we've got this going. And then I'm thinking, there are so many people that once I've got their credit together, now what? They're still not financially free. They're still not happy. They're still not being able to move the way that they want to move. And I didn't even see a pandemic coming. Obviously, no one did. Maybe somebody, but that's a whole nother story. (laughs) So um, I just knew that we needed to be able to find a way for people to have freedom, for people to have freedom and experience love. Because Self-love is where it all starts. So if you don't love yourself and you're not able to give yourself those positive affirmations, no matter what you're doing, you could have millions of dollars in the bank. But if you're not able to express self-love and to heal from some of the things that have happened in the past, you're not going to be able to be free. So that's the whole premise behind what I do. And again, just love for the hospitality industry and knowing that I've been in positions where you get off work and then you go to a shift bar with your friends and now you just blew all that money that you picked up that shift to make so that you could pay the bill. Now you're back in that same situation. So I really wanted to talk to people about different ways to budget, different ways to look at your finances and just how to come out in a better place than you may have been in the past. 
Yeah, that's super helpful. And and you bring up such a great point. And I feel like that's something that we've all experienced, you know, where you get into debt, you don't know what to do. You're dealing with creditors. I mean, I can speak from that myself, you know, 20 years ago, you know, 30 years or I guess not 30 years ago, but 20 years ago when it was so easy to get credit cards, student loans, like we were on a conversation this morning on Clubhouse and they were talking about the the student loan debt that comes with going to school. And, you know, just by signing a piece of paper, you all of a sudden get qualified for this big student loan, but nobody's really taught you how to manage that. So I think that's that's super valuable. What are some kind of tips that you would give to people that are making a majority of their pay day by day um, cash? Uh, like what are some tips that you would give? It's it's simple. Open the mail. I used to use the mail for coasters for so long. You know what I mean? Come in and I'd sit a cold drink on it and the letter would go from having my name on it. Then it would like, it's white. Then the letter's yellow. Then it's pink Then it's white. And it has a red line that says personal and confidential. Now you've got a collection. So first thing is just open the mail and reach out to those creditors and try to make an arrangement with them. Because once you're dealing with the original creditor, your chances of making an arrangement that's Satisfactory that's not going to impact your credit is so much better. And once you do that, then really take a good hard look at how much money you're bringing in and how much it's going out. With this, you know, with the pandemic and everything else, even outside of that, you have to get creative. You know, you can have multiple people on your subscription accounts. So let's not everybody have the same subscription, especially if you're in the same household or in the same family. And a lot of people think that $12 is not a lot, but $12 adds up very quickly, you know, over 12 months, $144. That's money that you could apply to something else. And as you're able to tighten your budget and you're able to see what your needs are versus your wants are and necessities, then you're able to move forward and really understanding your credit score, like knowing that 35% of your credit is just the, the payments being made on time. And then, you know, 30% is the capacity and amount owed. 15% is the age of your credit. So some people say, I wish my student loans would be deleted. You really don't want those to be deleted because if that's one of your oldest trade lines, that's the age of your credit. So you want to keep that on there. Then 10% is your credit mix. And the other 10% is just making sure that you're able to keep those payments below uh, between 10 and 30%. So just understanding what your credit score means is super important. I think those are some of the main tips that I would give folks. And reach out to somebody that can help you. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be this really, really difficult Excel sheet that people used to have to do back in the day. There are so many pro, there are programs like Mint. My sister, Kenya, loves Mint. She puts everything into Mint and she'll tell me, oh, I can't hang out with you because I've already spent my entertainment budget and you're expensive. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, our, our kind of running joke, but it's true. She knows that she's got this budget set. She wants it to be a certain way. And once that's exceeded, then you do that. And if you don't want to use an online tool, you can do something really simple with a cash diet. Get envelopes, write rent on one, write utilities on the other, write food on another and put your money in there. And then once that envelope is empty, the envelope is empty. That's the easiest way when you're dealing with a cash diet. And then instead of putting your money in the bank, it's really easy for people to overswipe, right? Because then you have that pad of overdraft protection. And then when your check goes in, a good portion of it is already gone. So I would say if you're dealing 
home with cash. When you get paid, take your money out of the bank, put it in those envelopes and learn how to budget like that until you're able to tighten it up. Then once you realize that you have a little bit left in there, that doesn't mean take the utility money out because you can pay the minimum payment and put it in the entertainment in the entertainment envelope. Once it's gone, it's gone. But when you get a handle on that, then you're able to move back into more of the traditional financial systems. That's really great advice. Where were you 30 years ago? <laughs> when I almost 30 years ago, when I first started bartending, I wish someone would have told me that seriously when I was 21 behind the bar and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, cash is king and you just want to go spend it. So that is really great advice. And something that you said was, you know, um, once you are financially sound or you understand the system, you understand how to save and you're, you're not, um, damaging your credit. You have some healthy credit and you, you said it yourself. And then it's kind of like, now what Mm -hmm. can you talk about that? Absolutely. Once you get your finances together, that's just the biggest part of the stressor. And, you know, people that I hear statistics that say 64% of marriages end because of, you know, finance. And so then there's so many other things that can come with that and stressors that can come with that. But once you're able to get your finances together and you can literally master money by getting inheritance, you can master money by getting a great salary. You can master money by just, you know, getting a a settlement, but you're not managing your money. So once you learn how to manage your money, then you've got to learn how to manage your lifestyle and manage your happiness and see what that looks like. You know, we're so good at jumping up first thing in the morning and grabbing these devices. Once you do that, you're not taking the time to fortify yourself and build this little force field around you so that you're able to step into the day. We have people, and I I know folks, because I used to be one of them, that anytime I was upset, I would go out for retail therapy. So that was a trigger for me. Somebody would you know, tick me off and then I'm going to the mall. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a high price item, but I'm spending money that I don't have to make myself feel better. So I needed to up my emotional intelligence game and to make sure that I was fortified so that when something like that happens, if somebody ticks me off, I get an email, a phone call or a text that puts me in not a great place. I'm able to step back. I'm able to meditate. I'm able to get my mind together and really do something that's not destructive to myself or destructive to my finances. For me, meditation is super important and it doesn't have to be an hour long meditation. You can do like a quick five minute, 10 minute, 20 minute transcendental meditation and really just get back to that place of happiness. Or if there are certain music that makes you happy, you want to make sure that you're surrounded by that. I love like um, crystals and candles and incense and things like that to create a place of peace for myself. So whatever that looks like for you, you've got to create that force field and that place of peace around you so that you're not so easy easily triggered by things that would put you in a position that's not going to make you happy. Yeah, I think that's so important and and so fascinating about the work that you do because if you think about finance and credit, it's it's, you know, it's very um it, there's a lot a lot of logic there, but then you also bring in a lot of wellness and can you tell us a little bit more about that and and kind of how how you went that direction and I think you're you're also certified as a as in Reiki Absolutely. If anybody's been uh, 
in my classes in Portland Cocktail Week, one of the things that we do when you walk in, I always have a diffuser lamp with some essential oil that's going to set everybody's mind at ease because it's, you know, usually long days and things like that. So we've got the essential oils going. So the essence in the room is nice. I generally bring stones and I explain the stones because we're talking about money. I'll generally have, I think last I had citrine. Citrine is a merchant stone. So citrine is something that a lot of people will keep in their cash register or keep in their wallet or keep in their purse because it attracts wealth. And so once we learn how to program the stones, basically just saying an affirmation that I'm so happy and grateful that I'm going to be in a place of abundance now that I have this new tool in my life. And whether it's really just the stone being a symbol or just a way to remind you to have that positive affirmation, that's generally how we start. And then we go into talking about how to have positive relationships with money and educating folks on that. But that wellness piece and just realizing that past mistakes don't define you and that money, while it is a means to an end, it's not the thing that if you don't have it, you can't still achieve happiness. Your happiness is inside of you. And once you're able to manifest what true happiness is for you, everything else is going to fall into place. If we're not chasing the money, it's not running away from us, right? It's if you're sitting there and you're happy in the place that you're in and you're doing something that you love, the money is going to come to you because you're putting out that good energy and you're doing the right things. You're doing high vibrational activities. So with that being said, your stress is going to be lower and your ability to cope with things that are not necessarily going your way is going to be in a better place so that you're able to open yourself up to a lot of those positive you know, money-making activities. Mia, also, you know, you're talking about really putting yourself in a mindset to be open to a positive experience, right? Do you, um, what is your feeling about, you know, when you are in that headspace that you really are attracting like um, similar energy? So it's really just thinking about what, what you're looking for and what that looks like for you. Some people attracting wealth means that they want to have a, you know, a 5,000 square foot house with a basketball court and a pool. Some people, that means that they want to move to, you know, a very tranquil place. They may want to move to Bali and be able to telecommute for the rest of their life and open up a small, you know, bar on the beach or open a small restaurant and stuff like that. So whatever happiness and wealth looks like for you, you really have to put yourself in a place that you can vision that. Create a vision board, have those images in front of you and really strive for that. Don't let anything shake you from that. Other people are going to have other opinions about what you're doing and saying, well, why do you want to move there? It rains a lot there and you're not going to have, you're not going to be close to family. If that's what your happiness looks like and that's what you want, then you really want to concentrate your energies and surround yourself with things that make you feel good. And anything that takes you away from your dreams, you have to really evaluate why you're being attracted to that and what the trade-off is going to be by you giving your time and energy to something that's not putting you closer to your goals. What do you think about, and I know you've said in past articles, you've talked a lot about credit cards. So what, what is kind of your rule around credit cards and, and how to utilize them? I'm a fan of people using credit, but I'm a fan of people using credit wisely. And if you're not in that season, then don't do it. It's, it's, it's a relationship. It's just like saying somebody may say, I want to be in a relationship. I want to have a partner. If you are healing from something, you don't want to go into a relationship right away because you're not ready for that relationship. You're, you may screw it up, you know, because you're still healing from what happened in the past. 
Credit cards are the same way. It is a relationship. So if you're just learning about money or learning how to manage your money, just because you're we've got your credit score together or you were able to get it, that doesn't mean that you need to immediately go out and get credit cards until you're comfortable with mastering that money and managing that money, managing the cash diet, managing having money in the bank and still building up a savings. Then you want to move into a place where you start using credit because a lot of people say cash is king, but credit is power. But your power really comes from your ability to be happy. And whatever that looks like for you, that's the direction that you want to go. So I don't I don't suggest that everybody run out immediately and get credit cards. But I would say once you're able to manage your money properly and you're able to utilize and get the things that you want, because for you, the, the pinnacle of credit may be getting that house and paying it off, or it may be getting the car that you want and being comfortable with the payments on that. And then you move into a place that you can use revolving credit casually and more comfortably. That makes perfect sense. It really does. There's so many lessons can you come on every single episode, Mia? <laughs> there you have so many lessons. Oh my gosh. Um, I learned the hard way. <laughs> well, that's sometimes the way to learn because then you appreciate the lessons, right? For sure. Um, you know, you talk a lot about personal evolution, or we've read a lot about you, obviously, and you know, we hear a lot about personal evolution. And how do you help people to evolve? Um you know, to really to get to that level of um, freedom, you know, where they should, where they ultimately want to be. So I start with a mindset strategy session to help people evolve to where they want to be. We have to realize where you're coming from and be comfortable where you're coming from. And then look at where you think you want to go and look at what it's going to take to get there, because all of that involves adjustments along the way. Someone may say, I love working in the bar and I want to own my own bar. I want to own my own restaurant. I want to employ all my friends and family. And it's like, okay, so let's look at what that looks like. How much time have you spent with the proprietor of a particular establishment? Do you know what it takes to have that overhead? Are you willing to put in those hours? And what is your relationship with ownership of particular things and being a team member? Are you saying that you want to own a place because you don't want to be an employee? Because if that's the case, this is not the right path for you because ownership is the ultimate, you know, it's the pinnacle of you You are your own employees. So it's really just finding out where someone is coming from and then going down a path of discovery with them and then sending them on a path of self-discovery to continue to validate why they want what they want and to just constantly do checks, right? So say, okay, are we still on this path? Do we need to make any tweaks? Do we need to make any adjustments? Then there's a series of questions that I ask people from, you know, what your alter ego is to what you feel like your superpower is to, you know, what your biggest wins are and what you feel like your biggest struggles are to get the information out of someone to make sure that we're putting them on the path to real freedom with love. That That's very helpful. And, and it, you know, as, as Bridget said, it, it makes so much sense. So what is, what is your client relationship look like? Like if somebody wanted to hire you or, or utilize your services, how does, how does that work? And how often do you meet with them? Is it kind of a one-time thing or is it a residual meeting? How does all of that look? 
It really depends on the individual. So I start everything with a discovery call. I'll have someone give me a call. And I always say it's a 15 minute discovery call. Those discovery calls have gone on for an hour sometimes. It's really just being there for the person and allowing them to get anything out that they feel like they need me to know so that we can make an informed decision about the best path for someone to go. So the coaching sessions, I do uh, weekly coaching sessions. Sometimes it's monthly coaching sessions. And I'm actually working on a course right now that will be hugely helpful for people that have already, quote unquote, graduated from a particular level and are ready to go on to the next level but want to maintain. And then there's also going to be modules in there for people that are wanting to learn more about meditation, learn more about Reiki, energetic healing, uh, alkaline living, and some of the other things. Can you tell us about your time at Stanford? Sure. It's been an interesting ride at Stanford. I actually started there as a temp. I was working at Hewlett Packard and they moved the division that I was working in to Atlanta. They offered a job for me to relocate to Atlanta and I didn't want to go. So I went to Manpower, which is a staffing agency on the peninsula. And they said, oh, we've got this temporary role for you to help out with this construction project. And I'm like, all right, well, this works. It was doing a capital improvement program on graduate housing. Now, my dad's an engineer and my mom's an interior designer. So I was like, this is kind of like the intersection of the two of them, moving people out, renovating their spaces and putting them back in. So I said, "Okay, this is going to be a fun project. It took a while for them to get it together and get the permanent requisition. And I'm not super patient. So I was kind of going back and forth. But again, like I said, my parents are very traditional. My dad was saying, you know, Stanford University has been around since 1891. It's recession proof. It's higher education, which is something that they really believe in. So he said, I think you should just stick it out and stay here. So I I stayed there. And even when the um, when the dot-com era came in. I had friends kind of trying to lure me to different jobs. So you're going to make this great salary a year. And unfortunately, you know, the dot-com turned into the dot-bomb. So luckily I took my parents' advice and I stayed at Stanford and was able to get additional education there and have a great career and get into hospitality because that's where that pub was that that I walked into. I was working full-time there and, and going to school in the evening. So that's where that pub was that I walked into and got my start in, uh, in hospitality. So it's been great. And so having been there for so long, I'm pretty close to retirement now. It's, I know I don't look that, I'm just kidding. The gray hairs are, are covered. You don't, you don't. I'm like, how are you able to retire already? I guess that's that financial freedom, right? <laughs> well, they've got a thing called the rule of 75. So age plus years of service, you add it all together. And there's this equation that they do. And honestly, I'm really excited about that because I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity to have real freedom with love be my main thing. You know, I really want to lean into being able to help people in the hospitality industry and just all around find real freedom with love. I want to go deeper into my Reiki and energetic healing practices. I'm actually going to do another another course really soon. I think it starts next month. So this is going to be a six-week immersive and it's just on love. So different ways for people to express love. This one deals a lot more with uh, the feminine energy, but I understand that there's also a side that deals with masculine energy. So I want to really to delve deep into that and, and be able to do the work that I love full time. Well, you know, ironically, it's March, it's Women's History Month, and we're featuring you and other exceptional women during this month. What does Women's History Month mean to you? 
You know, I am so excited about Women's History Month. Actually, when I'm at work, I my Zoom background, it, it changes all the time to reflect whatever's going on. And so this month, I've obviously got my Women's History Month backdrop. I have some things that I'm going to be doing with my company and also with Alkaline Vibes, with the company that I'm partnered with, to be able to talk about um, Women's History Month and just really do some creative things. I want to do so many things to inspire women to make sure that everybody knows the place that we have in society, to know where we're going forward in society, but really celebrate the history of a lot of the great things that we've been able to do. You know, the Women's History Month is more than just, because I feel like it, you know, it's just like Black History Month, right? We're women every day. I'm Black every day. So yes, I'm excited that we are able to have a month on the calendar, but this is just a month to highlight the accomplishments that have happened throughout the years and throughout the decades. And so I really take this time to educate motivate and inspire other women to continue to tell their story and to tell the stories of their ancestors and to talk about turning your dreams into goals and then moving it into a reality so that you can then be a part of the legacy that we celebrate in Women's History Months going forward. Who are some of the women that have inspired you? No. My mom is obviously a huge inspiration to me and my sister, and she probably doesn't even know this and wouldn't believe it if I told her, but she honestly, she's just an amazing person. She's so driven and I've watched her go through so much, like uh, putting my nephew through college and just, you know, she's always been that model for me to make sure that if stuff is going right, she's transparent about it. If stuff is not going right, she's transparent about that too. And she always she's just open with her experiences. And she's like, this is what's great about this. She just did this remodel on her house that is phenomenal. And it's it's not so much of the aesthetic piece of the remodel, it's the, uh, which is fabulous, don't get me wrong, but it's her taking the reins and doing this on her own as a single parent, raising her son as a single parent, getting him through college and making the sacrifices that a lot of people wouldn't make to make sure that she can function the way that she wants to function, pay this house off, leave that legacy for her son, creating that generational wealth. And I mean, she's worked for some crazy companies. I, I don't want to say that she's worked for some crazy companies out there, but has always been able to maintain and never lost sight of truly what family means. I've never seen somebody so excited to see family as I see her. I could go home come back to her house and she's like, oh my God, you're back. And I'm like, I just left yesterday. But, you know, so she really embodies that love and she's somebody that's super, super inspiring for me. So yeah, I would have to say my sister. Yeah, I agree with you that Women's History Month and and really celebrating women like your sister and so many and your mother. And, you know, we think we talk about our moms a lot. You know, my mom is an immigrant from South Korea, single mom, raised me and my brother. And it's funny thing is, is, you know, she was um, in her late twenties, early thirties. And I'm like, how did you even do it? You know, I mean, she worked two jobs. I never felt like I was poor. We didn't have what we needed. I always got, you know, all the new clothes and never had to worry about not having food and this and this. And I, and I think about even, me at that age and having a career and having that security, I couldn't even imagine, you know, being able to provide. So all these women are just so inspirational and and women like you and what you do, because it's not just, you know, you figured out what you needed to do to, to help yourself, but then you recognized you wanted to offer this to others. And I just think that that's incredible. 
Well, thank you. I definitely appreciate it. And, you know, like you feel seeing people stand in that gap, you know, my mom's sister, my aunt is also somebody that's super inspiring. There were times that like my mom was dealing with some health issues and my aunt, unbeknownst to me at the time, moved from Philadelphia to California to help take care of us. So just, and she's always been the person that like, I ne- I never knew that we, I knew we weren't rich, but I didn't know that we were, you know, making shifts and, and things to make sure that stuff happened because we were always happy in the house. There was always music. There was always food. And my aunt would make these incredible holiday boxes for us. She would take like a bunch of stuff and fold it up and then put it in the box. Like it would, it's closed and it was stuff that we needed, but she made it so exciting that when you pulled the tape off the box, the box just almost exploded, you know, open with all of our clothes and stuff that we needed. So it's just, you know, it was just really cool to be raised around super strong women. It really is. Um, yeah, I just want to share just a quick story, but my mother was a seamstress and um, always made our clothes growing up and we really didn't have a darn thing, but I didn't feel it. And I didn't feel it until I went to high school and everyone was wearing guest jeans that their parents bought them. I'm like, they bought you those? And how much are those? My mom made my shirt I'm wearing today, you know, but I never felt like I went without. In fact, I always felt like I had, you know, so much, even though I, I did not. But I do want to touch a bit on something that you said, because it really stuck with me, Mia. You know, you said something like um, to the effect that you have to celebrate, especially this month, like your ancestors, right? And where you came from. And as women, I, I do feel it's especially important that we do that. And I just want to hear from you, you know, why you feel that that's important and how we should celebrate those who came before us. Reflecting on your ancestors gives you the ability to know where a lot of your strengths come from. I find that a lot of the characteristics that I have definitely come from both of my grandmothers. My grandmother was also a seamstress, so I loved getting those outfits that were made with the tag made especially for you. I remember going and getting the simplicity patterns. But just the fact that she would take the time and love and care to create outfits for us, even if we all had the same material, it was different patterns that reflected you know, who we were. And the strength that your ancestors give you, the characteristics that they give you, if you really take the time to find out who you are truly, not who you're aspiring to be because social media has told you that that's who you should be today, but really those tugs that you hear, those whispers that you hear in your ear and the strength that you have when your back is against the wall, that comes from your ancestors. That comes, like you said, Julie, from, you know, the migration from South Korea for, you know, from things like that, that comes, you know, Bridget, like you said, from someone taking the time and care, because it could have just been like, oh, well, you're not getting it or you're going to get something secondhand. It takes time, effort, energy, and love to create and make clothes for other people. And that's more valuable than than guest jeans because this was made with love. So for people to express that kind of love, even through, you know, creating meals or, or whatever it was that your ancestors were able to do in a time where women didn't have the same rights and a time that women didn't have the same voice, but we've always been the leaders. We've always been on the forefront of making things happen, even if it was quietly and silently without the recognition That's where our strength comes from. So it's so important to know. And if you don't know, to learn about your ancestors and to learn about where your inner strength comes from, because as a spiritual, you know, a Reiki master, spiritual healer, and really being involved in that energy and that high vibration, I know that so many people 
when they feel like they're not at their best, if they're able to tap into that ancestral strength and to tap into that ancestral history, it's going to really propel them to be that, that greatness that's been instilled in them from decades and decades past. Yeah, that, you know, it's it's funny. I've been reading this uh, since COVID, this um, series of books called The Seven Sisters. Not that I'm plugging anything, but it's really about that. And it's it's about these girls that were adopted and they learned where they came from through their great, great grandmother. And, and, you know, it, it goes back and forth with uh, past and present. And so for me, you know, I have my mother and my grandmother, her mom, you know, passed away when I was just a baby. So it's really hard to kind of connect, but I, I do connect through my mom. Um, but, you know, something you mentioned about those little things that you do that take time, it's not necessarily money. My mom bought a dehydrator and she dehydrates bananas and apples for my son and my husband. Cause I don't, I don't need it. I try to stay away from dried fruit, but she sends a package every month, you know, of dried bananas and fruit. And since my, my son's 10 now, but since he was like two years old and like clockwork, you know, every month we get that. And that's something that he'll never forget. It's such a big part of his life and it's just beautiful. Absolutely. Those things are so important just to be able to share those those things because that's something that he'll talk to his children about, you know, about how he would receive these packages and, and you know, the dried fruit and, and everything like that. Those are creating those memories and creating, you know, that that generational happiness. Yeah. Um, could you tell our listeners and and me what what is Reiki? So Reiki is a form of energetic healing. It can be done by projecting energy. And so if you notice, if you look at, uh, if you look at images of Buddha, if you look at images of the Egyptians, if you look at images of Jesus, like they're all holding up their hands, right? So you're able to project energy from your hands. And what we do through Reiki is we project energetic healing. There are different Reiki symbols that we use. And so if the person is in front of you, you're able to project energy without touching them. But we're also able to do distance healing sessions where you put yourself in a particular mind state and you set the individual that's on the receiving end at ease. And we're able to actually do an energetic healing just through the vibrations that we send either on camera through the telephone or like I said if they're in front of us then we would do it in person. Wow I, I definitely want to know when your next session is because I think we're we will definitely be signing up. I, I've always been a strong believer in energy. I've always kind of tapped into the different healing processes you talked about stones and 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 scents and um and kind of vibrations. And I, I think that's just incredible how you're able to bring that all together around, you know, freedom, freedom with love. How does one get involved? Definitely. You can just go over to realfreedomwithlove.com and book a discovery call. And from there, we find out what's next, whether you're wanting to do individual Reiki sessions, get involved in some of our group classes, or sometimes people just want to talk. They just want to say, here's what I have going on. What do you think, you know, the next steps will be? So we're there to help. Just go to Real Freedom with Love and click on it. My phone number's on there. And, you know, there are ways for you to schedule time. And who introduced you to, um, to this world, you know, of Reiki and peace and love and, th and vibrations and the beauty around it? This does not just happen, does it? 
It definitely doesn't just happen. And you know what's funny? When I got, I'll, I'll answer that question, but I want to tell you an interesting fact around that. When I got involved in it and I started talking more about it and I was having those conversations with my parents about the direction that I wanted to go, my mom basically like opened up this whole file of stuff that she had. She's like, you know, I've always been a fan of counseling and mental health and and I've studied, I don't know if you read, you know, and I'm not plugging it either, but the, the yamas and the niyamas and she's like, and I've been doing this type of thing. And that's why I like to play Mahjong because it puts me in a place where I'm able to relax. And so unbeknownst to me, because I knew that she, they work out and they play golf and do all that other kind of stuff. But I didn't realize that she had mala beads and all this other stuff that she had been doing on her own for so long until I started talking more about the shift that I was making with the way that I was practicing a subject that people don't want to talk about, which is money and finance and bringing it into a more energetic space. But as far as who introduced me to it, I always had that curiosity. I went to Christian schools growing up, so I knew that side of spirituality or religion, but was always interested in other sides of religion, other perspectives and things like that. And then when I really started digging more into alkaline living and alkaline health and things like that, then I was able to surround myself with a tribe of folks and if, uh, on our um, on our site, it talks more about that under one of the particular tabs about uh, alkaline vibes and how we really push alkaline living and alkaline health and making sure that your body is pure. And so when I was able to partner with Josiris and get into the deeper parts of what it means to be well in your body and what it means to reverse some of the damages that people have done to their body in the past physically, then I started, it really just like ripped the doors off. We were able to go to different places. We went to India to study. We went to um, Peru to study. And so we were able to just kind of take over and see all kinds of really cool stuff. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Um, You know, really quickly, who who did you work with? I saw that you had done some work with Brown and Balanced. How did you kind of get reconnected with the hospitality industry? Absolutely. You know, Josh has always been somebody that's been a champion for my business partner, Michelle and I, with our mobile bartending company. And so when he started Brown and Balanced, just being the genuine person that he is, individual has always supported us. But he was always saying, you know, I know that there's more that's out there for you. I know there's more that you want to do. And I had talked to him about some of the stuff that I was doing with uh, with at the time, the Good Credit Diva. So he and Lindsay immediately brought us into what was happening with Bar Institute in Econo. I remember the night that I applied for the first um, Bar Institute in Dallas, I submitted the application and I'm like, well, here goes nothing. And I just, you know, I pushed submit. And then when they contacted me and said, you know, hey, come on down and talk to us about it. I was, I had literally just put all of the pieces in place for myself. And I thought, as long as I come in authentic and as long as I'm explaining my truth, it's going to resonate with people. And it did. So I was able to do that. And then from there, when Brown and Balance came into play, Josh reached out and said, hey, you know, we really want to have you come on and start talking about some of the great stuff that you're doing. So I was able to come on and talk about it. I actually was able to hijack the Brown and Balance account a couple of times because he never logged me out on my Instagram. So I did a couple of Brown and Balance takeovers and one we kind of brought him on. But it's been great just to be able to, one, give him his roses because he's doing so many great things for, you know, for black and brown bartenders and celebrating folks that would not normally get that stage, but really to be able to share 
share information with underrepresented groups and to get information out there for people and let them know that they do have resources to help. Because let's be honest, when the black, in the Black and Brown community, mental health is not something that's celebrated. It's not something that people reach out for. So we have to be able to mirror that for other folks and say, listen, this is my true and lived experience. And I don't want you to feel like it's something that you should be ashamed of if it's yours as well. Yep. That is, that is really important. You know, we've all, we've all had those challenges. It's not unique to a certain group and it's really important to talk about it so that we can all relate and know that there is, there is a better path moving forward. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that, and I, I just could give him a plug. I think that Josh is just a very special and wonderful human being. So yeah. there you go, Josh. Hopefully right. you're listening. <laughs> He's got a lot of, a lot of fans out there, Josh. He does. I've known him for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do have, I just want to just take it back for just one second because my, my ears really perked up when you said, you know, and you said it so quickly and so casually that I'm like, what? You're like, and I went and I studied in India and in Peru, you know, just kind of, it was like, oh my. So can you tell us what that was like, please? <laughs> That's such a unique um, opportunity, something not everyone has done. I would love to know more about what you did in India and in Peru. When I got the Reiki, the Reiki three or Reiki master certification, it was important to make sure that I understood what that meant for me and what that looked like for other individuals. So there is a place in a, in California, in Laytonville, California, out in the hills, and they do a particular spiritual practice there. So I was able to see that, but I wanted to see where it originated. I wanted to go to the Dashram that that originated from. And so in order to do that, obviously we had to, you know, go to India. So it was like, okay, we got to make it, we got to make this trek. So we went to India and started out in Mumbai. And then there's a place called Shirdi where you go and you actually do the Darshan Shirdi is a is a spiritual area. It's about a two hour plane ride outside of Mumbai, and you literally go there just for the blessings. You go there to get the blessings of Sai Baba and go to the Darshan. So it's a religious pilgrimage that you go to. And I never want to half do someone's half do a practice. If I'm going to do it and I'm going to say that this is something that I do, I want to really understand it. And I realized that everyone won't have the opportunity to travel to India, but since the opportunity was there and this is something that I want to be able to teach and bring to other people, I felt like it was important to be able to make that pilgrimage. The same thing with, with Peru going to Machu Picchu. I really needed to understand the trek that happened, you know, with Incas. I really needed to be able to feel that energy and feel that vibration vibration of just gratitude and that vibration of love and that gratitude. And it's so funny that you mentioned that because in Peru, that was one of the times that it was really poignant where people may not have monetary wealth, but they have such deep spiritual wealth and such deep gratitude. And I saw people, the way that Machu Picchu is set up on the forefront, right there on the river, there are these five-star hotels and really, really beautiful. And then you go up the road and take a left turn and you're in almost like the shanty towns where the locals live. But everybody was so happy. They were so excited and just, you know, so giving and gracious. And 
the stores didn't necessarily have like the roll up doors with the locks and all that stuff that you see here. You see people walking away from their stores because they have that trust and they have that happiness and gratitude. So just to be around that type of vibration and to be able to learn and do uh, ceremonies with shamans. I did a payment to the earth ceremony with a shaman that was so powerful where he used pieces of candy to talk about the sweetness of life. And then he went, and that's how you represent your childhood. And then from there, he used saltier things. And that's how you represent your adolescence, because it goes from that sweet candy type of life to in more of a salty time when you're going into adolescence where things, you're not so coddled by your parents. Now you're experiencing the way that life may change. And then it went to a cookie where it's got that mixture of sweet and salty and it may crumble if you're not necessarily careful with it. And that brings you into your adulthood. And then it went to uh, like leaves and things like that, where you're now showing and growing the fruits of all the labor that you've done. And there were, you know, seeds in there. And so you were able to take each one of those things and you take anything that was a low vibration for you and you pull from each one of those elements. Like if you had a trauma as a child, you pull from the sweet pile. If you had it as an adolescent, you pull from the salty and, you know, from there, and then you put it into a satchel that the shaman would then tie up. He would give you a prayer to say, and you say it in Kachwan and you say it in English. And then the shaman would actually take that and burn it. And it's your payment to the earth, like saying that I accept all that's happened to me, but I'm so grateful and thankful that I'm able to move past that into a place of peace and getting rid of any negative or low vibrations that are associated with those experiences. So things like that have been incredibly powerful. That is definitely powerful. I mean, I could, I could just imagine where, you know, you being there and experiencing that and how that just really adds to everything that you offer. I'm a little speechless over here. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Can you leave our listeners with some sound advice um, to, to lead their lives through the freedom um, with, with love? Sure. I I would love to leave the listeners with some things to uh, find your paths of freedom with love. I would say that a lot of times people think that you have to mimic someone else's path when this is really about you carving out your own path. Appreciate everything that's happened to you because it's helped you build the character of who you are today. And if there's something that's in there that you're not necessarily comfortable with, get to the bottom of why you're not comfortable with it and find someone to help guide you to the highest vibration and the best place that you could be in accepting all experiences. Write down your goals, write down your dreams, because if you're not writing it down, it's not going to become real for you. So it's incredibly important that you put those visual pieces in front of you every single day and just continue to tell yourself, I'm so grateful and thankful that I'm going to be in a place where I can have the highest vibration and the most love or real freedom with love. Like for me with, with retirement, I know I have a set retirement date, December 20th, 2023. But I say to myself, I'm so grateful and thankful now that I'm retired and fully living my purpose by December, 2023 or sooner. 
right? So as long as you add that onto the end of whatever it is that you're trying to do, stick with that and continue to move towards those goals, but put those visual images in front of you. Do your vision boards, do the things that make you, that put you in that place, you know, create a playlist that puts you in that high vibration. Surround yourself with pictures of things that are beautiful to you and that inspire you to be that best person every single day. And if it's something like finances that you're struggling with, it's really trivial and and it hangs a lot of people up, but that's really the easiest thing to fix. That's, you know, credits, finance, those are the easiest things to fix. The hardest things to do are finding that internal love and finding that internal peace. So do whatever you can to surround yourself with high vibrational activities and people that make you feel good about yourself. Well, I want to thank you and so much for the those words. My goodness, Mia, really, that's amazing. Um, and I want to thank you on behalf of Julia and myself for joining Served Up today. Uh, you have left us with so much to think about. <laughs> and um, I do really hope soon I can take a class from you to continue you know, my journey and path um, towards freedom with love. So I just want to thank you for being on the show. And I want to wish you good health and a lot of peace. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to share with you and all of your audiences and so much love and respect to all of you for everything that you do. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Mia. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future served up episodes. Cheers. <laughs>